different schedules, as in always. Uh, the worship team varies, I guess. It would be a good way to say that, but it's been nice to have a full team up here. The, um, the last couple, last week we started, and a few weeks we'll go on a topic of faith and um, kind of looking through Hebrews 11, chapter 11 here, and um, just, I don't know that we'll talk about every single uh, person on or listed in that kind of hall of faith, we call it, but um, we're going to learn from a lot of them and um, see um, be encouraged by their life and um, what they've taught us. I'd like to welcome uh, people that are joining us on the live stream today or in the future looking back. We're glad that you're watching and uh, catching up if you're away or um, uh, just tuning in with us. We appreciate it and hope that uh, you're encouraged today. But as we've kind of talked about this, we've uh, introduced the topic of like what moves the hand of God? And not that there's a magic formula that takes place in order for a person to be, uh, have their prayer answered or for God to do what you want him uh, to do or what your prayers are asking him to do. But there are certain keys to our life, how we live, what we uh, believe that will help us to see our prayers answered more. And we looked at James uh, chapter 5, verse 16, says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, that our right living is, um, has a part in our answered prayers, our answers to prayer. We went through several quotes of Jesus after he uh, had healed someone and um, he would say something uh, rather the same um, and maybe in a different way. He would say, your faith has made you well or it is done according to your faith. And so we or I determine that our faith has a major part in our answers to prayer. Then we read another quote from Jesus later on in Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22. He, he was uh, talking to the disciples and he had just Curse the fig tree, okay? And he says, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And then we began to examine Hebrews chapter 11, the opening Verses now faith is being uh, is confidence or being sure of what we hope for and the assurance it's the the proof the conviction uh, about what we do not see our faith is us literally um, taking hold of all of God's promises everything we hope for and uh, we can rest assured that they will come to pass in the future. The next verse, 2, so Hebrews 11, 2, um, the writer says, This is what the ancients were commended for. God was pleased with their faith. And he begins to um, lay out uh, the stories of so many of what, what I would call heroes of the faith. And he tells their faith stories. And this author, as well as other New Testament 
writers were worthy to be on this list, but they were literally, they were living it. They, they were doing, uh, they were still writing their stories. They were still living that out. But when we now, we can look back and call them ancients and that God was uh, commending them for their faith. So in the coming weeks, we'll examine these heroes of faith and we'll find similarities in their stories that follow a pattern of faith in action, a growing and active faith. And that involves uh, three actions that are present in almost every story. I wanted to make a blanket statement that every story has these three things. I can't guarantee that, but at least two of these three are evident in each person's story. There's prayer or speaking with God, a conversation that happens with God or uh, the, the, command, the, the written word is, his, is, is a word from the Lord and they're following or in obedience to that. So uh, the, there's prayer, there's speaking with God. And then there's that act of obedience, doing what God asks. So either in their conversation, they're obeying what God's telling them to do, or again, uh, they're following the commandments of God that he's laid out for them in his word. And third is an act of sacrifice, giving up something in worship of God. The first one we're going to look at uh, will come from, the first three will come from the era of creation. So from creation to the flood, these three people, and then uh, we'll look at from the flood uh, past kind of before the say like the minor prophets I forget the name of that era but um, it'll be Abraham Moses and then uh, we'll look at they they make a bunch of really quick references to several of the prophets and so we'll get through some of them in the coming weeks but Hebrews 11 verse 4 tells us by faith Abel brought God a better sacrifice offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. Cain, as unrighteous, I added that in there. When God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. So right off the bat, we learn a very important lesson about God and about faith. How we live The choices that uh, we make affect our faith. We don't know much about Cain and Abel. Um, Their story is in Genesis chapter 4. Now, so this is uh, starting at verse 2. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. I should have started this verse. This is young, young, young mankind. So Adam and Eve, uh, Cain and Abel were their first Uh, children. We don't have a lot of information about what life was like in that time, but we know that uh, from just this verse, Abel watched over the sheep. He was uh, keeping the flocks, and Cain worked the soil and the crops and all that kind of stuff. So verse 3, in the course of time, so some time goes by, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. 
The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. What we don't know is what instruction was given to them. How did they know to even give a sacrifice or an offering? What were they um, commanded? What were they doing out of obedience? We don't have that background information. What was uh, told to them as an acceptable offering or what a sacrifice was or, or should be. But the verses that follow show us that Cain should have known and he allowed his anger and his hard feelings to control him. Verse 6 says, Then the Lord says to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you, this is important. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. This is just that verse is a powerful uh, message in itself. Sin, the evil one, the devil is always coming after us like a roaring lion trying to steal, kill, destroy. And uh, God is pointing out to Cain and, and talking to him, please just uh, let it go. Uh, sin, don't allow it to rule over you. You need to do what is right. Uh, sin is going to cause you uh, to pressure you to do what is wrong. What's going to go and kind of this, uh, you know, in, in the cartoons, I think they kind of get it right, even though it's funny, but you have an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other shoulder, and they're telling you, oh, you should do this. No, do this. No, do this. But really, that's kind of what's going on, right? We want to do what's right. We talked about that in Romans. Our, our part of us want to do what's right, and there's part of us that want to do what we want to do, and we're selfish, and we have that a demon on our shoulder saying, oh, it's going to be okay. And Cain is on this verge of if he, uh, how he's going to respond is going to show us whether he's righteous or unrighteous, and God is warning him you must rule over your sin. Don't let it allow you to control you. But Cain allows sin to control him. And he murders his brother, Abel. The author of Hebrews commends Abel for his faith in three different ways. He's a worshiper of God. Abel offered the right sacrifice. He held nothing back. His sacrifice was the worshipful expression of his life. It was not a religious ritual, but it was a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Abel is commended as a righteous man. We see more about Cain's unrighteousness, and it kind of helps us to see that Abel was righteous. Um, it shows Abel was obedient to the Lord and that he acted by faith as a righteous man. Abel is commended for his testimony. He died as uh, the first prophetic martyr. He's killed for his faith in God. Cain is jealous, he's angry, he's mad that Abel's righteousness and his faith, his sacrifice was accepted 
by God and Cain murders him for it. But even in death, he still speaks, meaning his life of faith was taught to generations that followed him. And even today, as we talk about him, his testimony is being spoken out. The next person is Enoch in Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. It says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Enoch's story is one, if you, uh, a fun trivia question, if you're in a Bible quiz, um, who's the only uh, people to never die, and everybody knows, oh, it's Jesus. Like, oh, who would be the other ones? Well, just take notes. Elijah was carried off in a chariot, right? And then Enoch. So it's interesting, we only have a couple verses uh, to go off of Enoch that uh, he was here, and then he was no more. God had taken him away. Enoch's story is um, told in, in Genesis chapter 5. When you look through, and when I was looking through to try to find Enoch anywhere else in the Bible, try to find some more about him, um, there's more than one Enoch. As you know, if you were to say... Um, this church, I don't know how many Kevins have been involved in this church, but there's already been another pastor, Kevin, right? Um, in my other church, there are several Kevins in the church. But, um, so in the Bible, we don't have a lot of last names. And so when you say Jesus, well, everybody knows Jesus, but there is a couple uh, people named uh, Jesus, and there's different um, ones. So when you look up Enoch, um, Cain actually had a son, named Enoch, so don't be uh, confused by him. Uh, this Enoch that we're talking about today is referring to one that was born four generations after Cain to a man named Jared. And his, uh, this, Cain, this Enoch story uh, will read from verse 22 in Genesis 5. It says, after he became the father of Methuselah, you guys know who Methuselah, okay, the oldest person to ever live, he lived, longest living person, I guess. So after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Some versions will just say Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. The author of Hebrews states that Enoch was commended as one uh, whose faith pleased God. Wouldn't that be awesome to uh, be reading in the history books? And we'll pick on Nathan since he left, but Nathan pleased God. Whoa. And he didn't sleep through church. Just kidding. <laughs> 
He's ignoring me in the back. So just kidding. Anyway, the author of Hebrews states that Enoch was one whose faith pleased God so much so that he did not taste death. We don't know why God has uh, chosen to not allow him to, to, to face death, but it was his righteousness. It was his faith. God took him. God transferred kind of the word, the wording there, transferred him to the next realm without dying, um, to heaven, to uh, the presence of God. This is an incredible miracle, and it's interesting, but it's not what was important about Enoch's life. It's a great uh, Bible quiz question, and it's fun uh, to think about uh, if you were around Enoch when he got transferred, when he, boom, and God is like, maybe he was sitting at dinner, maybe he was at church, I don't know, uh, and boom, he was gone. But that's not the most important part of his life. What was most important is how Enoch's faith was pleasing to God. He was with God constantly, loyally. Hebrews 11:6 without faith it is impossible to please God. So his faith was great. So we can take from that Enoch's tremendous faith in God. And then the Hebrews the writer adds in this verse 6 kind of a extra point about Enoch's life that kind of not, not a, necessarily about just his life, but kind of an encouragement to all of us. And he says that because anyone who comes to him, God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What's this, what's this breakdown? What's this mean? When we pray... When we come to him, as this verse says, we're submitting our will to his will. And when we believe that he exists, like the verse says, we're putting our whole belief, our whole trust in him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's our uh, act of sacrifice. To earnestly seek him is not just showing up at, at a church, but sacrificing time and other efforts to walk with God. Will you live a life that's pleasing uh, to God? Will you look at uh, your sacrifice? I don't want to jump to the end of my message, kind of has more of our application today, but we can be encouraged by this uh, very short story of Enoch. Enoch walked with God. How's our walk with God? Is it pleasing to him? The third person uh, today is Noah, and we know a lot about him. Um, out of the three, probably the most that we um, have the information about. Hebrews 11 verse 7 says that by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Noah was born into a time of wickedness, and wickedness ran rampant into the world. I think... Um, 
A lot of times we're, we're prisoners of the moment and we think, man, right now this is the most evil this world has ever been. And it's bad. It's bad. Sin is uh, running rampant today. But it was evil and it was bad back then. Some of the things we think of today um, that, that's bad, that's evil, and we think, I don't know how God doesn't give us another flood, right? But he promised he wouldn't. But if we uh, can understand it was evil back then too. Sin is sin. Is sin. And there's nothing new. Um, there's probably more people today. So evil is worse because there's billions of people on the earth. And during the flood, there is, you know, not that, not as many. So Okay, there's probably more evil today just by number, but sin is sin, and we've always had evil. The devil's always been, um, ever since the fall of man, he's tried to uh, steal and kill and destroy, and Noah is living in this generation. He was the son of uh, Lamech, who said upon Noah's birth, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground that the Lord has cursed. That's in Genesis 5.29. Genesis chapter 6 is uh, uh, one of the happiest times in all of the Bible. No, no. It, it describes the wickedness that's happening and just the, the terrible state of evil that's in the world. We cannot grasp how perfect paradise was um, the Garden of Eden that God created the world in, started mankind in, it was perfect. And in that, sin comes in and just kind of the downfall ever since is just evil. God tries to redeem mankind through the generations and there are many who are righteous in that time and they're faithful, but there's many more that are not. And we read in chapter 6, uh, verse 1, when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. Some theories out there, this is, again, for, for you that love history or love uh, researching um, biblical stuff like this. Um, there's so many theories out there, uh, what's happening in these short uh, verses. I think I have time just to dwell on it for a moment, but... Um, some theories say that there was a shield-like protection around the earth, similar to our atmosphere now, but, uh, but tighter in. And it, it protected humans from uh, suns, you know, rays and radiation and different things, um, different um, biological, I'm not a scientist, but the different things that could, would harm us now. And people back then were able to live seven, eight hundred years, nine hundred years. Um, and, and the more longer they lived, 
God is seeing that um, their morals are being more, more wicked and they're more deprived and uh, the worse they became. The Nephilim uh, in verse 4, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. It says they were the heroes of old, men of renown. We look at this and um, who are the sons of God? And in, in other parts of the Bible, sons of God refer to angels. There's different theories that um, these were part of the angels that were swept out of heaven with uh, Satan when he was cast out and they're just... Um, they're on the earth, and they're, there's different, if you read the story of Lot, um, they're just evil. People, they, they want to sleep with humans. Humans want to sleep with them. That's probably how we get the giants of Goliath and the Nephilim is, is that, um, that, that um, ethnic group or whatever you would call them, term them, is the Nephilim. The, they, they grew to be nine feet tall, and just these um, crazy people. And so it's evil. The world is evil. If you could think, like, how, how would people want to do these things that, that are being done and just their, their morals are gone. And God is so upset with them. They've, they've gone so far away from him. And verse 5 says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the heart, thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Wow. Every thought, every inclination was only evil. I, that, was, that was bad. That was wickedness. That was, that was a terrible time. And probably one of the saddest verses in the Bible, verse 6, the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. Whoa. Wow. So the Lord said, I, I'm going to wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I've created. I'm going to start over. This is not, it, God wants to redeem and wants to have this relationship with uh, people. And you'll see the next time uh, he sends Jesus to redeem mankind. God's a loving God and um, he doesn't just want to be done with his plan. Uh, verse 8 says that um, Noah, out of the millions of people, Noah found grace, favor, acceptance in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9 says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. All the other people that had no good thoughts, only evil thoughts all the time, but Noah was righteous. We don't know a whole lot about what uh, he would do during that time what stands he would take against the people that were trying to do evil all around him. But he stood up for the Lord. 
and he lived for God and God saw his heart, God saw his righteousness and his plan was to save Noah and his family, wipe out the rest of the humans, start over, make a new covenant with Noah. And he reveals this plan, telling Noah, you need to build an ark and put two of every animal in it. And there's other details that we don't need to get into, but if you're an architect or an engineer, it's interesting to uh, follow that. The important part in this story is Noah's faith. He obeyed the Lord, and he built an ark. That would take an extreme amount of faith. We don't know how much rain had happened on the earth at that moment. Again, this whole, all of Genesis is interesting to study and research. Some people say it had never rained on the earth, that um, in, in the creation story, springs bubbled up from the earth to water the uh, plants and the crops, and that rain had never come until this time. Whatever the truth is, uh, this man and his sons and daughter-in-laws are building a ginormous ship, bigger than the Titanic, if you can picture a large ship in our, in our world, bigger than the cruise ships that we have. And he's building it without the machinery, without the tools that we have. It, it probably has taken him years to do this. And if the people were wicked, uh, as bad as the Bible says, imagine what, what they're saying to him as he's chopping down trees and he's cutting the lumber and he's doing all of this. And man, it would take great faith not to stop at um, any of the, those months, the hard times, and be like, man, God, I, I'm not going to do this. But no, he, he kept his faith. He actually would uh, try to help his generation. He, we're going to read about that a little bit later, that, um, <clears throat> that he was trying to uh, preach to his people. The author of Hebrews points out uh, these things about Noah's faith. Noah believed God's message with holy fear, with reverence. He wasn't um, building the ark out of uh, guilt or fear, uh, but out of reverence, the Lord has spoken, and I need to obey. I'm going to follow him. I believe his message. He and his family acted in obedience and built the ark. Noah condemned the world, Hebrews said. And Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, calls Noah a preacher of righteousness, so uh, at some points through his life, he lived 300 years, 365 years, I think it said. He's trying to help his generation, these that are so evil and so wicked, and he's a faithful man, he's a righteous man, and he's trying to help his generation. Finally, he, become, he became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. We can become an heir as well if we respond to God with the faith that Noah has demonstrated. <clears throat> In closing today, our faith is built up through our sacrifice of worship. 
A biblical scholar named uh, Frederick Bruce wrote, Sacrifice is acceptable to God, not for its material content, but insofar as it is the outward expression of a devoted and obedient heart. Our praise to God, our worship, is more than just singing a song. It's living out the words that we're singing. Anyone can sing the lyrics that we put up on the screen. Anyone can sing those. Okay, but do they mean something to you? Or do you mean something towards God when you sing them? Another aspect of our worship of God is in our giving. Anyone can give money to God, but what's your heart behind it? Jesus pointed out to his disciples, the woman who gave two coins into the offering, and he notes that she gave all, and the disciples, are like, it was only two pennies or whatever it would uh, amount to, and these other men who had much more gave from their wealth, but it wasn't from their heart. It wasn't a sacrifice. They gave more than the woman, but she gave her all. King David in 2 Samuel 24, verse 24, wanted to make a burnt offering to the Lord. A man named Arana brought everything that David needed, uh, all the the altar parts, the uh, sacrifice itself, and brings it to him and wants to give it to the king. you You can use my sacrifice. And King David makes the quote, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. We speculate that Cain's sacrifice was not acceptable because of his heart. He maybe gave more grain than uh, Abel gave meat. We don't know. But uh, was he he coming out of uh, begrudging? Like, okay, God told me to bring a sacrifice. So here's an acre, I don't know what you call a a large amount of grain. Here you go. And uh, Abel brings his best, his first, his biggest sacrifice to the Lord. Did Cain... um, bring not enough they say well you wanted a grain offering so here's a handful you can i i brought it i sacrificed it to you it's all in the heart god accepted abel's because of his righteousness so our faith is built up through our sacrifice of worship our faith is built up when we have a strong relationship with god enoch had an amazing journey uh, with the lord It wasn't one moment that made God pleased with him, but it was his whole faith journey, his whole life. It was a steady, it was a daily growth that comes through prayer. It comes through studying God's word, through fasting, through fellowship with other believers, through evangelism, through all of these things. It's a life. It's a life with God. It builds up our faith through a strong relationship with the Lord. Our faith is built up through obedience. Samuel told King Saul, obedience is greater than sacrifice. Pastor Kevin, you just told me I I need to sacrifice 
Yeah, but obedience is even beyond that. They go hand in hand. God desires us to obey Him above our worship of Him. Maybe that's why Cain, uh, his sacrifice wasn't accepted. That Abel was living in obedience uh, to the Lord. His faith, sorry, uh, Noah stood up against his wicked generation. His faith stood up for God. God will ask us to do things that are unconventional, that may seem impossible. It may be uh, above all his commands uh, he has laid out. He will ask us to do things that may test us, but our faith is built up as we act in obedience. These hall of faithers, hall of famers of the faith, these giants of the faith, these uh, ancient men and women of God that we can look back on and learn and grow from them. They didn't just talk to God, they walked with Him. Their act of obedience wasn't just to do one thing to get God's attention and His favor. No, but it was a life of surrender to the will of God and following Him, placing their trust and their belief in Him. Worship team, if you would come, we'll close, begin to close this morning. Their act of worship, their sacrifice, was more than just an offering, but it was giving their best, giving uh, their life, their relationship with God, all of their um, selfish desires, they were putting it in the hands of God. This is, uh, my will is to be in your hand, your will, God. And when we align our will with God's will, we begin to see things uh, in a different way. That our, our faith is building, that uh, we're not seeing our prayers as, oh, God hasn't answered my prayers, but he's answering our prayers in, in his way, in his will. And we begin to see that uh, in our life and acknowledging, oh, God, is, uh, God has answered my prayers. Would you stand with us today? My uh, encouragement to you, not only today, but uh, in the next few weeks, is your faith. Where's your faith? I hope through the testimonies today, and we'll have more. And if you don't want to speak them out in front of uh, everybody here, tell them to people. Share your, your faith and your testimonies with with others to build them up and encourage them. You never know. You never know what your words uh, can mean to, to others. But where's your faith at today? I want to encourage you uh, as we close in a song to, to think, about, think about your life and your communication with God, like the three things we talked about were evident in each person's life. A, a conversation with God, a, a relationship with God, an act of obedience, what God is asking you, uh, prompting in your heart to do, and, and our sacrifice of worship. Ask God today as, as we sing this song, be in prayer of what God is asking you to do today to build up your faith and to use your faith. 
I always want to uh, offer to pray. If you would like to come forward for prayer, please, please come forward. He'd love to pray with you about anything you're going through, anything that is on your heart. So worship team, uh, lead us in this closing song. Lord, we praise you. We thank you that you're always with us. Help us to live like Abel and Noah and Enoch, Lord, that you would help us to stretch our faith, God, and to build it up, Lord, through the testimony of others, through the reading of your word, hearing from you, God, your Holy Spirit would prompt us uh, to do things, to study things, to, to spend time with you, God, Lord, that we want to be pleasing to you, Lord, and our faith would be uh, pleasing to you, and our worship would be acceptable to you, God. We just love you. We love you, Lord. I pray uh, a blessing over each of these people as we go this week, Lord. Would you go with us? Help us, Lord. Protect us. Lord, be with those on uh, a vacation or away uh, through the busyness of the, the season. God, bless them today. Uh, be with them. Protect them. Lord, we just love you. Lord, we want to uh, yield ourselves to you. We give you our lives. Would you work through us uh, just to share your love with those around us this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.